Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. Hey, thank you so much. As Alexa's already said for being here this morning, it's a tough time of year, isn't it? We wind down or wind up to the end of the year. I know that people are busy. I know Trace, people are crazy busy. I know that works kind of, people get to the end of their rope by the end of the year. And so I know that sometimes it would be nice just to kind of like, you know what, I might just, I might just sleep in this Sunday. I might just take a time off and just have a break and completely understand. But I'm so glad that you're here this morning and I want to make sure it's worth your while. Uh, not that it's necessarily up to me, but I want to do my part. But I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to just touch you this morning, wants to minister to you this morning, wants to give you a big hug from heaven this morning, wants to put some things into your world this morning, maybe reorientate your perspective this morning so that you walk out of this place feeling lighter, feeling lifted, feeling encouraged. Amen. Do I get an amen for that? Amen, amen. So I don't believe our time here this morning will ever be wasted, that God's got an appointment with you and He's got an appointment with me this morning. And I'm just so grateful that you're here. And, uh, and so uh, well done for that. And, uh, I, and I'm not, there's no, I don't, I'm not, there's no sarcasm or there's no flippantry in that. I, I get it. Um, I'm here on my own. My family are at home. Bex and the kids, we've got two sick children in our family. And uh, uh, Ezra and Lily got to go on their school camp. Uh, which is a bit of a coup. You turn up to a school, you're two weeks at the new school and you get to go on the school camp that only happens every two years. So they like lucked out big time. Well, they thought they did until Ezra got the vomiting bug with 16 other children. 30 kids on the trip, 16 of them vomiting. And we're talking about an outdoor education camp where you're outside in the wilderness. It's not the most pleasant place to be sick. In the end, they just stopped trying to ferry them to the, to the toilets, whatever, they just, you just go, just vomit over there, you'll vomit over there. It was just like a carnage, right? So one of those ones where you always want to be a parent on a school trip, and I'm so thankful, Lord, that you didn't send me to that one. But anyway, so Ezra's not been well, and then uh, Levi's also not great. He's, um, he's got a gastro bug and running to the toilet every five seconds, and so poor kid. And so that is our family. So Bex is at home and can't be here with us this morning. She sends her love. Uh, shout out to our production team, our setup team this morning. You did a phenomenal job. And I just want to thank Sarah for stepping into production. We've got our two, we've got our two champions, Michael and Caleb. These guys do an incredible job, Michael and Caleb, don't they? Along with the rest of you amazing people. And uh, I think Michael just runs 60Ks. He just doesn't run the Kepler, the Kepler Challenge, which is a 60-kilometer race. What a crazy guy. So if you're on social media, why don't you give him a shout out and you know, reach out to him and say, well done, you crazy guy uh, doing this sort of crazy stuff. And uh, Caleb is away, I'm sure, with Ashley, and we miss them both. But uh, thank you, Sarah, for stepping in uh, and for the setup team being in here this morning, doing a great job. Right, got all that said. This morning, my the message of my the title, the message of my title, the title of my message this morning is anchored, anchored. And uh, there was this time we used to live in Cooks Beach, um, and that's where I met. Well, Bex and I sort of formed a relationship, and and uh, we got married in Cooks Beach. And uh, and uh, but early in the early in the sort of the courting, and and, and I'm I'm sure if this happened before we were married, I believe it happened before we were married. I saw uh, a friend of mine had a 12 foot tinny with a 25 Yamaha horsepower Yamaha on the back, which is severely overpowered for a 12 foot tinny. 
So the thing was awesome. In fact, it had lots of cracks uh, in the aluminium up the front because it just powdered through the waves because it's way too much power. And every time you hit a wave, a little squirt of water would just come at you, which is kind of like nerve-wracking. But, you know, you just took it out to the bay. You didn't go too crazy. Uh, you know, it wouldn't take too far adrift. But I thought, hey, babe, why don't we go for a fish? I want to take you for a fish. I'll borrow my friend's uh, little uh, 12-foot tinny, and we'll go out uh, near the marine reserve, uh, not in the marine reserve, but near the marine reserve, for a fish and hope that one of those big boys would just swim on outside because like, they don't know the line, eh? They, sure they don't, I'm sure they don't know the line. I, um, then again, I've dove down there and I'm sure they do know the line. It's like, don't, don't go over that line. You'll get snapped if you go over that line. And here's safe, not there, not safe. Anyway, so, we, so I, I, there's a, a marker on a rock which signifies um, the start of the marine reserve. And if you triangulate that with another marker on land, you can see where the line is lying from there to there. That's marine reserve. This is not marine reserve. So I thought what I'll do is I'll anchor the little tinny about sort of 20 feet or 30 feet or 40 feet, a bit of a distance away from the start of the marine reserve, and we'll just kind of like let a bit of rope out and just try to drift back a bit so we get as close as we can. So great plan. So put the anchor down, hooked in, no sweat. We're fishing away, you know, Bex out one side. It's, it's hard to fish one person out of a little tinny too, but we're doing well. We're fishing off the side. We're getting some littles, and it's all getting very exciting. And then Bex says to me, uh, Steve, we seem to get awfully close to the rocks. And sure enough, whatever I had got the anchor into wasn't holding, and there's just this lovely little current, and it was just like slowly, just, just ever so slowly, just pulling us further and closer and closer to the rocks, which is like, you know, the waves are whoop around the rocks, and you think, you don't want to be in a 12-foot tinny in that situation. So, no, no worries, we'll pull up the anchor, pull up the anchor, and I'll, I'll start the boat, and we'll just get ourselves out of here. Well, of course, the flipping motor wouldn't start, would it? And so, and so we're freaking out. We've got a couple of like paddles and oars and we're just trying to like, what do we do, what do we do? So Bex is kind of trying to man the oar thing. I'm like, you know, this is not a great date going very well. I'm ferociously, don't flood, don't flood the motor, don't flood the motor, Steve. And finally, I got it spluttering and going right before we hit the rocks and we managed to get out of there. It was one of those situations where it all looked extremely calm and nothing could go wrong until the flipping anchor didn't grab the bottom and I lost focus on what we didn't even notice. Luckily, Bex noticed He's got the details, I don't. Thank you, Jesus, for <laughs> pairing me with someone that sees detail. Uh, and, and she noticed it, and we we're able to get out of that situation. But it's amazing if you don't get your anchor hooked into something solid, what sort of troubles can come your way. And so this morning I want to talk about, uh, I think David gives us some great pointers in the Psalms here, which I think can help us, particularly two verses in Psalm 21, which I call like my flow chart, my flow chart of being anchored in God. And this, I'm going to read it to you. It's Psalm 21, verses 6 and 7. I don't know if Bex has gone fishing on a boat with me since then. She's not great on the water, so that was not a good thing, you know, like, you know, just, it'll be fine, it'll be sweet. Let me read this to you, Psalm 21, verses 6 and 7. For you make him, this is, so this is uh, David kind of talking in, like, first person or, you know, talking about himself in that kind of weird language, like, rather than saying me, he's saying him. For you make him most blessed forever, you make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. I'm going to read it again. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Now, because of that weird first-person kind of language, I don't know if that's right, is it first-person? I'm not a, 
Let's pers- can we personalize? I think it'd be okay to personalize this, right? I think sometimes it's good to put yourself into the verses. I don't think that's taken too much liberty. Uh, I think it'd be great to read this from a personal point of view. So if I was to do that, it would read like this. It would say, for you make me most blessed forever. You make me glad with the joy of your presence. For I trust in the Lord and through the steadfast love of the Most High, I shall not be moved. What a declaration. You make me blessed. I'm glad in your presence I find joy. I trust in you, Lord, and in your steadfast love, I will never be moved. What a declaration. I feel like David has figured out like the secret source of life. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's cracked the code. And so I, 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 the question I want to ask you this morning is, do you want to be a person who shall not be moved? Do you want to be a person who is anchored? The shall not be moved. I'm just using a bit of license and liberty to call that being anchored. Being anchored. I wish that that boat shall not have been moved. I wish that boat was anchored to something that that grabbed hold and didn't drift us precariously into the rocks. And that can be quite a metaphor for life, can't it? So I want to be a person that's anchored. And I want you to be a person that's anchored. And um, just to carry on just building this out, as I do, I go to the dictionary, and I looked up the definition of anchor, and everyone's like, I know what an anchor is. It's a big metal thing you throw. Okay, but I still feel like definitions shed light on stuff. And so listen to this. It says, an anchor is a device used to connect a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent it from drifting due to wind or current. The anchor is something that when it gets down embedded in, it prevents you from drifting. It prevents you from being blown by a current, blown by the wind. It keeps you locked in. Do you want to be a person that's anchored this morning? Come on. There is a way that I believe David has has, has sort of figured out and is encouraging us through the Psalms that we can be connected so that we we prevent the drift. We prevent the current and the wind of life taking us off course, pulling us into a, into a drift, because, man, when you feel that drift in life, it's quite destabilizing, isn't it? When you don't really really know where you're going, you don't feel like necessarily you're in control, and you go, what's going on? We've had a year of currents and drifts, haven't we? We've had a year of crazy things going on, and it hasn't, it hasn't ended necessarily. Uh, and so, look, I hope this message is relevant for you this morning. And so I believe there's some, some keys, and like I said, like a flow chart, that we can pull here. In fact, we did this, uh, we did this verse, and uh, Lauren's here this morning. Uh, hey, Lauren, do you remember your little flow chart from, uh, from um, what was our morning thing called, Day, the daily devotion we did? Kickstart. Yeah, so we did, this, we did this verse during Kickstart, and Lauren actually drew a, a flow chart of these. It was amazing. And uh, so I'm going to dip into Lauren's flow chart this morning. Okay. So then the first thing to the flow chart of being anchored, right? This is the question. How do we get anchored? How do we, in a place where the current of life and the winds of life don't blow us off course, the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes this morning is gratitude, all right? Gratitude. For you make him most blessed forever. You make me most blessed forever. Do you hear the fact, the fact he's saying, God, you blessed me. I'm so blessed. I can't believe what you've taken me from and to. I can't believe the, 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 the fact that I'm, I'm yours and I'm your kid that you've called me out of. He says, the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. I can't believe that, that through all of my fault and all of my sin, all of my misgivings, you still bless me. There is something welling up in King David that sparks over into gratitude. Now, 
This is the same guy that was anointed by Samuel, king, and then it took between 15 and 22 years later for that anointing and prophetic anointing that you're going to be king for it to come to pass. He had a period of 15 to 22 years where he was chased down by the current king, tried to be murdered, tried to just like completely on the run in a cave, having a hard time. He, he found himself in a very big in-between, right? Yet he's still saying, I am so blessed. I am so blessed. And, and I just wonder this morning, are we able to say, I am so blessed? Because here's the truth of the matter is, every single one of us is so blessed. We live in a, we live in a consumeristic culture which says that you're the center of the universe and, 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 and so much so that, you, that, that, that it's always about creating a sense, of dis, a sense of discontentment that if I don't have this or look like this or do this or own this, then why, I can't be satisfied. And so the whole point of marketing is to say, look, if you have this thing, you'll be, you'll, be, you'll be completed. But because you don't have the latest iPhone or you don't have whatever, the, the house or whatever, the job or whatever it might be, then how could you ever find happiness and contentment? Happiness is attached to this thing here which you don't have. That's the whole, that's what the plight of, of, of consumerism, of, of, of almost the culture of our world, and it sparks in us a sense of discontentment. We don't even need the help, do we? We kind of, we're quite driven. Like We can take a good thing like, it's good to have a holy discontentment. A holy discontentment is when we're not satisfied with, with the advancement of the kingdom of God. We're not satisfied with where we're at in God. We want to see God grow. We want to see the kingdom advance. We want to see more lives take. We want to see a presence of God grow in our world. We've got a holy discontentment. We're not satisfied with where we are in God. We're not satisfied with how many people are knowing. We want more. That's a good thing. But when we spills over, and so I'm discontented in life with where I am right now in my station, it leads to an attitude of ingratitude, doesn't it? It leads to an attitude of ingratitude. The ability or inability to see the blessing of God in our world is so critical. I say that again, the ability or the inability to see the blessing of God in our world is critical. If we live in an atmosphere of discontentment, unsatisfied with what we have, focused on what we don't have, comparison, the social media comparison that we're all played with, we've got to be so careful that when we're seeing what others have and feeling left out, we're feeling overlooked, we're feeling neglected, this will up-anchor us. This will get the anchor off the surface of the ground. This will get the anchor off being locked into something hard, locked into the, into the Lord. Come on, we need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. You can go back through our messages and you can find a message by Pastor Bex called Attitude of Gratitude. It's a, it's a couple of years old now, but it's such a great message. And Bex, for the longest time, was struggling with some of, this, some of these issues and was feeling very discontented and feeling like she was struggling with it. And a, and, and, a friend, and a friend of ours said, well, just start a gratitude journal. Just three things every night before you go to bed that you're thankful for, that you're grateful for. And it's amazing how that just sparked a shift in her perspective, a shift. It's amazing what gratitude does, right, on our lips and in our heart. It shapes the way we see, and it starts to get that anchor locked into something. Do you know that the, the word give thanks appears 76 times in the Psalms? 76 times. That's a lot of give thanks. And if you take the word thanksgiving and thankfulness and thank, it's, just, it's, it's even more so, like over 150. And it depends on what translation you look at too. But I'm just saying that there was something in David and other psalmists where they were, they were so overwhelmingly grateful. Okay? So overwhelmingly grateful. Listen to this. I'll give you one of them. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. This is, a, this is really important, right? 
Did you hear where thankfulness is anchored? Not just in your life being amazing, not just in the fact that you've got everything that you think you might need, or not that there's a sense of contentment, but our thankfulness is anchored in who He is. Thankfulness anchored in who He is. The inability to be grateful can be connected to pride, self-focus, self-centeredness, right? I don't have, so therefore I can't be. And, and, our, and our attitude and our emotions can be attached to that. Yet, yet the psalmist has figured out something. Actually, my thankfulness is not in what I might have or my situation is rooted in who God is. It's rooted in who God is. Thanksgiving is not just in what God has done for you. It's about God. Thankful, thanking God for being God. Thanking Him for who He is. Thanking Thanksgiving takes the focus off of us and places it rightfully on God. This is so key to anchoring your life, that gratitude wells up for God. Another one, Psalm 95 says, Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. Come on, thankfulness propels us into the presence of God. Thankfulness propels, I'm just saying, if you are struggling with hosting or struggling with being close to feeling the presence of God, why don't we just put thankfulness on our lips? You might not even feel like it. It might be feel like starting a cold angel. You might have to start looking, oh, I'm just, you know. But before you know it, something will happen. There'll be a, a transaction. The Holy Spirit will start getting, and all of a sudden will just transport you from your focus being on your circumstances and your situation to focusing on God, and you get out, transported into His presence. Gratitude is such a powerful tool to being anchored. I'm just in this season, right, when there's so much to be worried about and concerned about that can raise anxiety levels, can we stop and go, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I will praise Him, and I'll be grateful for who He is and what He's done for me, and see what that does to the Spirit inside of us. Come on, thankfulness propels us into the presence of God. It opens our eyes to see God, to see the blessings, to see the giver and the author of who gives them to us. It says every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything comes from God. Everything we might ever have comes from God. Such a powerful thing. And I love that thankfulness opens up the presence of God. Number two, joy, joy. Oh, man. Who feels like their joy is constantly warred against, you know, constantly fighting? Feels like it's like, sometimes it feels like it's easier to go to negativity and, and like a morose or sort of a state, yet, yet, yet we've, we've got a, 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 an endless, boundless source of joy that we can plug into. It says in our key verse, it says, you make him, you make me glad with the joy of your presence, the joy of your presence. Joy is a source of cause of great delight, a source or a cause of great delight. Joy is found in the presence of God. It's upstream of everything else, the presence of God. Gratitude gets you into the presence of God, but the presence of God is upstream of everything else in life. Everything else in life flows from your time, from you cultivating the presence of God in your life. Everything else flows from time in His presence. And David prioritized the presence of God. I'm wondering this morning, family, if we are low on joy, maybe right now it's about getting back to prioritizing the presence of God. I love this in Psalm 16, 11, it says, you make known to me, David said, the path of life and in your present, there is the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. And it's the fullness of great delight in the presence of God. The apex of human experience is in the presence of God. There's no greater sense of pleasure or happiness that exists outside of the presence of God. You know this when you've experienced it. 
There's nothing greater. There's nothing under the sun, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, that will satisfy. Nothing under the sun is built to bring a joy, to be a joy bringer for you. Now, there is temporary happiness. And I'm saying that Christians and God has, has just like the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The, ah, <laughs> has like the all of joy. I'm, I know that there's temporary happiness and temporary, because we exchange, don't we? We exchange fullness of joy for temporary pleasure. We exchange the presence of God often for finding satisfaction in other things. So the question is for you and for me this morning, what is your source of joy? Where do you find your delight? What do you turn to to find a sense of delight and happiness? Where do you go? Come on, a good thing that becomes an ultimate thing it's a bad thing, right? So even very good things, we've got to be so careful they don't become ultimate things, right? Yes, I can find joy in my family, joy in my kids, and joy in being a part of this amazing church, and, and, and joy in my friendships, and joy in board games. Troy, preach it, amen. I'm not necessarily finding joy in running anymore, but maybe if I just got back into it, it would be there. But I'm just saying you can find joy in all sorts of things, but I'm telling you, they're not designed to satisfy my soul. They're not designed to satisfy the very depths of who I am. And when I turn to make them, my anchor lifts up, and I'm wondering why the heck am I drifting, because I've tried to make something created be my God, my, my take the place of God. It never works. It never works. Only the presence of God can be everlasting, overflowing, satisfying joy. So if, number one, gratitude leads us into his presence, number two, joy is found in his presence. Let's go to number three, trust, trust. We've got gratitude, we've got joy, we've got trust. It says that for the king trusts in the Lord. Come on, the fruit, the fruit of time in the presence of God is trust. The fruit of you spending time in the presence of God is trust. Seeing God builds trust. Because I say seeing God because when we look at the word presence, it's his face. It's his, it's the, diff, the, the, the word is translated presence, but it means his face. And so there's this time where you're spending face-to-face time meditating, hanging with God. It's not just, you know, just read your Bible and say a prayer. and leave. He wants you to permeate and meditate and hang with it. He wants you to host the presence of God. The Holy Spirit wants to surround you and come in close to you and speak truth to you and love on you. And, and there's a face-to-face interaction with God. And so and, and as, you, as you see God, and if you have this face-to-face time with God, it builds trust in God. Trust is placing your confidence in, placing your reliance in, placing your dependence in. What do you place your confidence and your reliance and your dependence in? I love Proverbs 3. It's that classic trust verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. What it's trying to say is there's going to be times in your life where you are not going to understand what's going on. And by not understanding what's going on, it's going to maybe lead you to a place of distrust if you're not careful. And so the answer to this is to go, I don't understand what's going on, but in your presence, I see you and I trust you. You're with me. You'll get me through this. Even though my circumstances around me are crazy, I'm anchored. Even though the storm is rising up and I don't know how the hell I'm going to get out of here, I'm anchored. I'm anchored to you. I trust you. This is the fruit of time in his presence that David has clicked onto. He's, he understands this and he's, he's, reaching, he's reaching back from thousands of years, reaching forward, sorry, thousands of years to say to you guys this morning, come on, trust in the Lord 
With all your heart, I believe that's his son that wrote that. But hey, he had to learn it from someone. The apple didn't fall far from the tree, did it? Amen. Come on, the ability to trust God flows from time in his presence. Come on, do you see the connection? Do you see the connection of these? When we lose our gratitude, we can withdraw from his presence. We lose our joy and we put trust in other things, namely ourselves, our significant other, our job, our talents. We lean into our own understanding and into our own strength and we wonder why we feel exhausted, bewildered and feeling a little bit lost. So I love it that it's a simplistic answer here. Come on, joy in his presence leads to trust in his plan and purpose. Joy in his presence. See, see God just doesn't want you to be a, 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 um, a follower that's sort of begru- a begrudging follower, like, you know, I've, I've, I've got to do this. I've got to, eat, I've got to eat my greens. I've got to eat my broccoli. I've got to eat my kale smoothie, you know. I've got to do it because I'm getting older, and if I don't do that, you know, it's not my health is going to. So I've, got to, I've, just got to, I've just got to hold my nose and swallow that thing down. That's not the kind of life God's asking us to lead. What he's saying is that what, you've, what we've exchanged, we've forgotten about what's in his presence. We've forgotten about how amazing, how overflowing the joy is. We, we, we can lose sight of that. And he's saying, come back into that place because as you realize that the joy and the overflowing sense of satisfaction found in God, that will just naturally build trust. It'll naturally build trust. You'll, he, wants, he, wants, he wants, I believe God wants you to overflow in joy and trust in him. That's his, his, he's longing for you to fill you with a sense of joy, to fill you with a sense of trust. And so, again, these things are connected so one, gratitude leads us to his presence. Two, joy is found in his presence. Three, confidence or trust grows in his presence. Leads us to our final point, being anchored. Anchored, number four, anchored. It says that, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. He shall not be moved. He shall be anchored. He'll become immovable. And this is the outcome. This is my desire for you. It's my desire for me. Like he said, how do I get to a place where I'm anchored in God and my trust is in God? And David would say this. He would say, prioritize the presence of God. Prioritize the presence of God and be anchored in his steadfast love. Hebrews 6.19. If you guys can find any little thing, it'd be great. Oh, they had that on cue. Guys, David's encouraging us to be anchored in love, anchored in the love of God, anchored. Anchored. It's amazing when, um, I found this an interesting picture, but when there's a tsunami warming, warning or a big storm, it's interesting that the big ships, they leave the harbour, they head out into the open sea and they put anchor down. Put anchor down. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. What the writer of Hebrews is referring to is the love found in the person of Jesus Christ, his work done for us on the cross, the fact that he's now our high priest, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. The fact that what Jesus has done for us is not just a confirmation of his love for you, to bring you from death to life through salvation, but also that he's going to complete the good work he started in you. We have this as an anchor for our souls, that in Christ we are loved and in Christ we have perfect love. 
the presence of God is fullness of joy. And so it doesn't matter what life comes, what life throws at you, what circumstances come your way, you can be anchored, you can be grounded, you can be certain. You can have an, a point of certainty amidst, amidst a whole lot of uncertainty. The one consistent thing in life is it's going to be full of uncertainty, full of things coming your way, full of storms and winds. But there's a way that we can be anchored, anchored so that we do not get drifted, anchored so that the winds do not affect us, anchored into the person and the love of Jesus Christ. 